listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Welcome to the Paul McGuire Report, wherever you are on planet Earth and wherever you are in the world. You know, one of the things we talk about on the Paul McGuire Report on a regular basis is the fact that knowledge is power. The fact that we're in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world, which is the title of a recent book that I wrote. So, so let's pick up with the fact, and it is a fact, by the way, that right now, at this second, we're in the greatest battle for the history of mankind in the history of the world. Now, one would think that if you believe that, and of course, believing that requires that you have some minimal amount of knowledge and information, one would assume that once you have overcome that intellectual hurdle and really get it, as in getting the fact that we are indeed in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world, that you would be prepared to do what God has called you to do before the foundation of the world, which is not sleep on your bread in some kind of somnambulistic days, but that you would rise as only God could call you to do and empower you to do, that you would rise to the occasion and stand and be counted. But for crying out loud, what do we have? What do we have? When we look at what's going on all around us, what do we have? Well, what we have is is many cowards. Many cowards. Uh, Among the people that tells the rest of the people on planet Earth that we, quote, we are the people of truth. We're the people that are communicating the truth. We're the people of the light. We're the people of God. That's the boast. That's the proclamation that Christians tell the rest of the world. Well, let's just deal with it. When you hear that said, most of the time, not all of the time, there are many excellent exceptions, but most of the time, the people that are saying that are, yes, lying. They're liars. So why would anybody listen to a liar tell them about the fact that we're in the greatest battle for the hearts and souls of mankind in the history of the world? Why would you listen to a liar? Now, I don't know about you, but I see a massive disconnect in the ability to communicate. As a matter of fact, there was a movie that goes back decades, Cool Hand Luke, Cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman, actor Paul Newman. And they were, uh, I don't know, they were stuck in some jail in the South, and they were part of the, I guess they called it the prison detail or whatever, where they wore these jail outfits that consisted of, of like a white suit with these black stripes, big black stripes, and they would... Uh, be assigned to digging up the road to to lay uh, uh, some kind of road down or highway down, and the prisoners would do that. And there was a conflict between the prisoners and the warden of this jail, and the classic line, the takeaway line in the movie that, that those that have seen that movie remember, the famous line was, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And that line word for word, really fits appropriately to what we're going through right now. What we have here, you better believe what we have here, is a failure to communicate. Because the problem is, you can't have even minimal communication 
if the people who claim to everybody else to be the communicators of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or whatever you want to call it, if those people, the ones charged with the assignment, or at least walk around claiming, the claim is, their boast is, what they puff their chests out with when they talk, is that they, they are telling others that they are, they have been called by God to proclaim the truth, to preach the gospel. I don't know, man. I, I can't hear them because they're lying. The deafening roar of their lies is overwhelming and toxic to the entire planetary environment. They're lying. They're lying because how can you possibly tell the truth if you don't even know what the truth is to begin with? Quit playing games. And quit lying. Quit lying. And stop lying. And stop lying. And maybe if you stop lying and quit playing games, then, and only then, when you earn people's respect, Maybe they'll listen to you. Maybe they'll hear the truth, and the truth will set them free. But nobody, but nobody's going to get to hear the truth from these millions of people who are talking about, I don't know what they're talking about. Because what they talk about makes no sense on any, any level. I'll give you just one case in point, one we've talked about before, and we're going to talk about it again. You may say, well, what caused you to be so intense about what the, the subject is today. I'll tell you what caused me to be intense. Once again, one of those divine coincidences, I happened to be doing different things that a person has to do in the area that he lives. You know, chores, shopping, whatever you want. Say, you fill in the blanks. And I was talking to somebody who it was obvious this individual knew a great deal about what was currently going on in America and the world. And I, when I say this person knew a great deal about what was going on in America and the world, I, I define that by saying, in contrast to the average person, and definitely in contrast to the average person who claims to be a Christian, uh, this person knew, relatively speaking, a fairly high degree of what was going on. So, so we were talking, and while we were talking, you know, I, I wasn't sleeping. I don't sleep when I'm on an assignment from God to communicate truth. I don't talk about trivia with people. People have trivia on their cable channels, on their all their media. I'm not called. You're not called to communicate trivia to people when only truth will set them free. So I find out where they are, conversationally. I, I kind of gauge how much they know and what they don't know. And I try not to go too far beyond what they know at the present moment, because if you move too fast in taking somebody out of a trance state that does not realize that they're in a trance state, you disrupt their inner psycho, psychological equilibrium. And they're thrown off balance because you start to introduce stuff that you're familiar with and that I'm familiar with, but it becomes a little bit too intense for some people because it's like they've never heard it before. But yes, they're doing a good job because they're growing, they're learning, they're willing to increase their understanding and their intelligence. They're willing to increase those things. 
They just need somebody to come into their life and in a in a kind of uh, soft communication bring them up to speed so they can so they can have the answers to all the questions that they have because they're certainly not getting those answers from the the mainstream media and the old media or whatever you want to call them. They're certainly not getting answers. So so we talked, and incrementally I raised the bar conversationally to get into some more intense areas, some more revelatory areas, and so that I could lave the inner psychological pavework down so that we could move from just a minimal or basic or rudimentary understanding of what's really happening. And and maybe, if we had enough time in the conversation, it was my goal and intention to bring them across to a far, far higher level of understanding of what's happening in the world. Because when you do that, you see, if everybody who claimed to be communicating the truth to, to people but instead, the reality is they're not communicating the truth to people at all. They're just blabbing. And all you hear is the flapping of their lips as the, the wind blows by. There's no communication of truth. It's empty, it's hollow, it's meaningless. And ultimately, when something is hollow, it means it's without substance. It's just an air bubble, an air pocket. God didn't call you and I to be walking, talking, living air pockets. I mean, for crying out loud, you go to these Christian seminaries, and that's what you hear. That's what you hear. Not, well, not from everybody, but the predominant message is the message of a bubbling air pocket. That doesn't transform lives. So yeah, you can go to your make-believe, I'm a disciple for Jesus Christ, you know, playtime with your Play-Doh and pretend you're really doing something, yeah, you can do that, go for it. But your results don't exist, because the proclamation of non-truth and the deliberate hiding and obscuring of truth does not ever produce transformational results. It never has, it never will. So why, are, why is that what your life is all about, by the way? And one day, your life will end, as all of our lives will end. And you will be asked the question, as I will be asked the question, what did you do with your life? And the actual location of the place in space and time where you will be asked those questions, like what did you do with your life, the Bible goes into detail about what the name of that geographic location is where you will be asked the question, what, what did you do with your life? The name of that location according to the Bible, is called the Judgment Seat of Christ. And at the Judgment Seat of Christ, Jesus Christ will evaluate everything you did down here on earth, supposedly for him and his kingdom, and Jesus Christ will reward you with either crowns or other rewards signifying that you have been faithful in your service to him. So, for example, if you have diligently and faithfully proclaimed the truth of the need for salvation in Jesus Christ, and God used you to win souls to Christ, then you were faithful. And you may receive, at least according to what the Bible says, you may receive what's called the, the uh, 
crown of soul winning, a special crown of supernatural gold that's given to those that are faithful in winning souls for Jesus Christ. Okay, we've just begun. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. The name of the game, or the name of this program, is the truth and nothing but the truth. With the, with the secondary or maybe third question following, if you've really communicated the truth to people, if, then why can't we see any visible change? When we look at America and all these people are allegedly communicating the truth to people, why do we keep seeing zero change? No change. No transformation. The status quo remains the same. How can the status quo remain the same if people are speaking the truth? If you're speaking the truth, that has power to it. It's inherent. It's inherent in the entire concept of truth. When truth confronts an arbitrary system, such as the prevailing system of psychological malaise in America, where people think that, that they're justified in zombie trance-like apathy, and they're justified in their knowing nothing about nothing, while our nation is being strategically torn apart from within and from without, take your choice. How can you possibly delude yourself into thinking, even for a nanosecond, that you're speaking the truth? You're not speaking the truth. You are doing, you know, a lot of people are upset. Do I speak in tongues? Does he speak in tongues? Does she speak in tongues? Does the Bible permit tongues for today? All stupid questions. They're stupid questions because they're irrelevant questions. The question, the important questions before God is not whether or not you speak in tongues. The important question before God is, do you use the God-given tongue and language that he gave you that anybody of your particular language or culture set can understand? Do you use that tongue? I'm talking about your plain English tongue or your plain Spanish tongue or whatever your native language is, that tongue. Do you use that tongue? the one that you use for primary forms of communication, do you use the primary tongue that you've been given? Forget about the different types of tongues. Let's start with Tongues 101, the basic tongue that moved from basic childhood babbling and matured as time went on. Are you using that tongue, the primary tongue of communication language that you've been given by God, are you using that tongue to communicate the truth with power? Or are you restraining that tongue and remaining silent in the face of evil? And what does God think? Speaking of the judgment seat of Christ and being evaluated by God at the judgment seat of Christ, what do you think that God thinks of people that know the truth, yet hide from everybody else that they know the truth, and are too frightened to speak the truth in love, and too frightened to speak the truth. What does God think of those kinds of people? And when we come back, we'll find out exactly what God thinks about it, because he's not silent about it. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Visit paulmcguire.us, and we'll be back in just a second. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Okay, so the question once again is, Communicating the truth, speaking the truth. 
Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to, comes to the Father but through me. Of course, the prerequisite is that you're willing to speak the truth. Not innocuous truth, specific, targeted, strategic truth that communicates accurately and intelligently the love and the re- reality of God, our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That truth, you know what I'm talking about. So the question that we have to ask ourselves in light of the malaise of America and the world right now, and by malaise I mean the lethargic, trance-like, drunken condition of hundreds of millions of people in America and around the world who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ, but are nothing more in reality than checker players sitting at their little tables playing checkers in the back of some barbershop somewhere. You're a checker player. That's fine. You can say that. We'll, we'll, we'll affirm you in your checker playing ministry. But you weren't called to be a checker player. What were you called to be? And what does God define in terms of categories of people who are being who God called them to be versus that category of person who is going out of their way not to be who God called them to be? So we go back to what does the Bible say? And what does the Bible say? Well, let's read a verse or two from the Bible. So when we read a verse or two from the Bible, like the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation, for me, is a very interesting book. Because as someone who is a professor of eschatology or a professor of Bible prophecy, I consider it one of the most, if not the most important book in the Bible. Yet, I'm painfully aware that those who call themselves now, now check out the irony of what I'm about to say. Those that call themselves, those that claim to be, in their words, Bible-believing Christians, are the very people who don't believe the Bible, censor the Bible, and forbid people to teach the Bible. Specifically, they forbid the teaching. 84% of evangelical or Bible-believing churches, 84% of those churches obviously do not believe the Bible and forbid the teaching of Bible prophecy. Now, wouldn't you think right then and there, to quote Cool Hand Luke, what we have here is a failure to communicate? How on earth do you expect the world to be reached for Jesus Christ, or souls to be saved, or for us to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ, which says, go into all the world and preach the gospel? That can't happen unless you believe the gospel. By the way, you can't really be saved unless you first believe in Jesus Then after you believe in Jesus, or put your faith in Jesus, then and only then can you be born again. So we have all these people who claim to be Bible-believing Christians, who claim to be evangelical Christians, and yet there's a massive, what we have here is a failure to communicate moment. Why that moment? Because in Revelation, the book of Revelation, 84% of evangelical and 84% of Bible-believing Christians in America forbid the teaching of the book of Revelation. 
Why do they forbid the teaching of the book of Revelation? Very simply, because they don't believe the book of Revelation. They don't teach the book of Revelation because they don't believe the book of Revelation. Let's say it again. They don't teach the book of Revelation because they don't believe the book of Revelation. Is that acceptable to God? Well, let's read what God's Word says. I mean, I'm assuming you believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. So let's go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, and read it. But the fearful, those people who are afraid, the unbelieving, what does that mean? You know what it means. If the, <laughs> if the so-called church is fearful and unbelieving, that means by its very definition that they do not believe the book of Revelation and that they do not believe the Bible. Thus the word, the, the word, but the fearful and unbelieving. You cannot be unbelieving and be a Bible-believing Christian at the same time. Let me say it again, because it's irritating me to no end. Well, the Bible says be patient in all things. Oh, really? As if, you think I've never heard that before? What do you think is more important in God's eyes, that you would be patient in all things? or that you would obey him and go into all the world and preach the gospel? You already know the answer. God is love. God sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth in him— now, nobody can be saved if they don't believeth in him or believe in him. I mean, it's a no-brainer. So again, in verse 8, it says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and the whoremongers and sorceries and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you are afraid and you don't believe, I mean, this is so obvious that that I sometimes ask myself, why why am I even teaching it? Because the issue is obviously not the the intelligence level of the person listening. That's not the issue. The issue is, this is the issue. It is the willingness to believe what God has obviously said in his word that is true, or it is the non-willingness to no longer believe what God's word says is true. So here's another uh, series of verses that say the same thing from a slightly different translation. But the cowardly, those that are afraid, the unbelieving, once again, we, we run into that word. The God, listen, quit playing church, quit faking it, quit assembling yourself together with unbelievers and people who are fearful, and then have the you-know-what to come and tell everybody that you're saved and that you're born again. According to the biblical definition, you're a long way from being saved. I'll say it again. According to the biblical definition, yes, you, and I don't mean the average listener of the Paul McGuire Report, I'm talking about the extended you, the walruses all around you with sleepy eyes. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, you can't have a church that consists of people who do not believe the Bible and who are afraid and continue to call it 
a, a Christian or biblical church. Why? It says right in verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving, and then it goes down in the same verse, that those people that fit, I'm talking about those people who go through the doors of a church and, and go through all the, the hocus-pocus as if they were Christians. Those people, if at the same time those people are are composed of the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So let me translate that for you very simply. It means that if you're going to go around telling people you're a believing Christian or an evangelical Christian, and yet what you're preaching to people and teaching to people um, is is based on your unbelief and your fear, then the Bible says that that kind of so-called Christian shall have their part in the lake, what lake? The lake that you go to in the summer with the rowboat and try to enjoy yourself? No, the lake of fire. Fake Christians go to the lake of fire. Let's just be simple in our definition. Fake Christians go to the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Fake Christians do not have the faith. Why do they not have the faith? Because they're the fearful and unbelieving. So you can't have a church which is composed of the fearful and the unbelieving winning people for Christ across America and across the world. So what is the solution to our dilemma? What is the solution to our problem? It's really simple. Stop playing church. Start believing in the Bible and the Word of God in Jesus Christ. And repent of your fearfulness. Because how can you be afraid if you're truly a Christian? Why? Because the Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So in the final analysis, if you want to know if you're really a Christian and part of a real Bible-believing church, are you filled with fear? Are you filled with unbelief? And are you doing something, such as repentance, in, in terms of of asking God to transform you and make you a real Christian filled with belief, filled with no fear, and how does that happen? You have to believe the Word of God. You have to believe the Word of God. You can't go to a church. Look, let's. I'm not tired of spelling this out 25 different ways. If you continually sit your posterior in a church which does not believe the Word of God, where the pastor does not believe the Word of God, where the denomination does not believe the Word of God, but yet you continue to insist in, in the most outrageous display of a lack of integrity imaginable, yet you continue to insist that you are a believing Christian, you have entered a twilight zone of unbelief. And you don't have any spiritual. You don't have spiritual power if you're filled with unbelief and fear. So you need something. Repentance 
has to be accompanied by works for it to be valid. You need, for example, to read the Word of God, believe the Word of God, and you need to ask God to clothe you with His supernatural power from on high. You have to receive, you don't, you don't have a choice in this if you're going to be a real Christian. You must be clothed with the supernatural power of God from on high. Power from on high. You must, by faith in Christ, receive power from on high. When you do that, you will no longer be filled with fear. You will no longer be filled with unbelief. Conversely, you will be filled with power from on high. And the moment you quit playing church and feeding and stuffing your fat face with donuts afterwards, you didn't like that? I'm sorry. The moment you stop stuffing your face with donuts and start speaking the truth in love is the moment you begin your pathway to recovery of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is that man. And it is that woman, that God Almighty, yeah, I said God Almighty, because he's not your equal and he's not my equal, that God Almighty who scours the earth from heaven. And you know what the Bible says, that right now, at this exact moment, as you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report, oh yeah, you could have chosen to listen to many programs. That's fine. You can do whatever you do. You can pick your nose in public as far as I'm concerned. But if you want to please the Lord, you can't have the fear, and you can't have the unbelief. If you're going to take it all the way home, I'm talking about winning uh, the soul winner's crown because of your diligence and faithfulness and soul winning. If you're going to run the race and be rewarded and blessed by God for your faithfulness and service to Jesus Christ, then you have to choose to do it God's way, not your way. You have to choose to do it to, to do it God's way. Now, America is in a nightmare um, position, and because America is in a nightmare position, the world is in a nightmare position. But the critical thing that I want to share with you is God has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned me. God has not abandoned his people one iota. God is simply waiting for perhaps one thing. And may I ask your permission, not that I need it, but may I ask your permission to share with you that one thing that should be pretty obvious that God is asking you and God is asking me right now. Thank you for your permission. So now I'm going to tell you, because I've sought your permission, tell you something you most likely already know, and that is that the minute God's people decide to believe his word, do faith in his word, the minute God's people begin to ask God to clothe them with power from on high, and God then does clothe you with power from on high, at that moment, and not a, and not a moment sooner than that, at that moment, and not a moment sooner than that, you will be clothed with power from on high. It will hit you like, like a blast of electricity from heaven. And the fire of God will blaze within your inner man. And if it's legitimate, you will be so impacted by the power of God 
supernaturally impacting you at the very core of your being that your body will shake. No, you won't have to be a nut. You don't have to jump up and down and stand in your head and whistle Dixie. I'm not talking about that. Your body will be hit with the power of God to the extent that you will be rational, you will be sane, you will be on your game, but you will be loaded for bear. And let's just substitute the bear for the serpent. And your job and my job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And before the Lord returns at the second coming or whenever he chooses to return, we're busy about our Father's business. And we're winning souls by the millions for Jesus Christ. It's then and only then, when the rubber meets the road, that we're doing what God called us to do before the beginning of time. And it's then and it's only then that we will take back our land because you need to look in the mirror like I need to look in the mirror and face the fact. Remember that old TV show? The facts, ma'am, just the facts. And face the fact that you and I have been asleep on the job. And while we were sleeping, the enemy took over our nation, our halls of government, our halls of power, our media systems, our educational systems, our churches, our theological systems. The enemy came in and took over every power system in America. Why? Because we were asleep at the wheel while at the same time pretending, masquerading, that we were Bible-believing Christians. We're nothing of the sort. We're not Bible-believing Christians. Because Bible-believing Christians can't be fearful, filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness, and believe in the Word of God at the same time. It's an impossibility. Okay, you're in the right place. You're safe where you are now. You know why you're safe? Because at least for this moment, you're locked into the truth the eternal truth of God's Word, the eternal truth of Jesus Christ. So welcome to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire, and stay with us while we ride, I guess you could call it the big big wave. The big wave is the, the, the big wave of revival, while we ride the big wave together. This is Paul McGuire. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a second. Once again, you're, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. You may ask yourself this question, well, what does it have to do with me? So let's, let's, let's be specific. This is what it has to do with you, and this is how it all plays out. In history and biblical history, and I go into this incrementally with more and more fast-moving, easy-to-understand information in my books, which you can get at a discount right now, like Power from on High, um, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, Conquering the Matrix, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, The Day the Dollar Died, and numerous other books that I've written, 38 books that I've written. You can get many of these books at a discount financially at paulmcguire.us. Okay, so let's let's take this biblical teaching, and don't you dare say it's not biblical teaching, because my primary reference and the central message that I communicated on today's Paul McGuire report is derived directly 
100% from the Word of God. So therefore, I am rightly dividing the Word of God. Whether you like it or not is an entirely different subject matter. But anybody with an ounce of honesty or integrity knows that what I said is fully justifiable based on rightly dividing the Word of God, or rightly understanding the Word of God. So let's change gears now and get to where the rubber meets the road. When in history, with the children of Israel in the Old Testament, with the Christians in the New Testament, when in history, in those periods in history, where God's people would become apostate, that that simply means that they would reject the truth of God's word at its plain meaning. In other words, when the church apostatizes or enters a spiritual apostasy, the, a spiritual apostasy is a widespread spiritual delusion in which people who call themselves the children of God or Christians, or people who call themselves true Jews, are in fact not the people of God because their actions and their words, and their inner belief system, which is unbelief, betrays them. So let's move to the second phase here. When this spiritual dynamic and this spiritual uh, lack of inertia takes place in any nation, like America, which claimed to be, up until recently, a Christian nation, 100% of the time, the following events occur that end up destroying that nation from within. So this is how it goes. Once the Church of Jesus Christ stops being a Bible-believing church, once it starts to accept fear and a spirit of fear inside of it, once it stops believing in the Word of God, a metamorphosis or a transformation takes place. That church, then, cannot properly be defined as a Bible-believing church. It cannot be defined as a church that, where there is no spirit of fear in it. It becomes, instead, what the Bible calls an apostate church. In other words, it believes in false doctrine and a false interpretation of the Bible, despite the fact that the Bible is clearly teaching that Christians must believe and act and have faith in an entirely different direction, a direction which could be categorized as faithfulness and truth. Now, what else happens? When we study the Bible, and we study this massive conflict between good and evil, we recognize that the attacks of the evil one and the principalities and power powers come in successive waves of onslaught. So, for example, in our time period, we have been besieged with, with wave after wave of anti-Christian militancy designed intentionally and strategically for the primary purpose of taking down and destroying in this order of priority. Now, the list that I'm that I'm getting the list of priority from, is based on the teachings and the books and the leadership of what were called the Frankfurt School Marxist professors who settled in Frankfurt School, Germany, 
who were a group of hardcore communists, Marxists, and socialist revolutionaries who, who targeted the Christian church and Christian America for total destruction and annihilation and nothing else. And they gave a numerical ranking to their targets in order of priority. So, for example, the Frankfurt School Marxists, number one, their objective was to destroy biblical Christianity. Number two, their objective was to destroy biblical values, such as a more, an absolute moral right and wrong. Number three, their objective was to destroy all Christian beliefs about God, about the family, about moral absolutes, about a moral absolute right and a moral absolute wrong. All of those things were targeted by the Frankfurt School Marxists in order of what the Frankfurt School communist Marxist professors perceived as targets in order of sequential priority. So what we have today in America because of the unfaithfulness of the so-called Bible-believing church, which has never been properly repented for and has never, never been confessed as sin before God, this apostate Frankfurt School church um, began to embed the highest-level universities, colleges, professorships, and other institutions of education and power, they planted their highest-level Marxist, communist, socialist professors in prestigious schools such as Yale, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, and on and on the list goes of Ivy League schools. Once these communist, parentheses, antichrist professors took over the American school system, and infiltrated it and inundated it with communist, Marxist, antichrist change agents, they systematically began to gut and destroy and remove, using their words, not mine, their, their, their phraseology, their battle cry. Now, hear what their battle cry was, by any means necessary. They dedicated themselves to overthrowing a Christian America with Christian values and Christian principles. They dedicated themselves to destroying a biblical America by, in their words, by any means necessary. So the decades went by, and I remember the decades uh, very clearly, because once upon a time in Paul McGuire's life, when he was raised in a militant, atheistic household in New York City, when I was raised as a militant, secular humanist, a militant atheist, and a militant existentialist, where I was trained by my parents and their intellectual friends, who also happened to be atheists, intellectuals, secular humanists, existentialists, as, as their agenda moved forward in both media, culture, and education, the agenda of the so-called uh, Bible-believing church, the Bible-believing church began to retreat, and in addition to retreating, the Bible-believing church began to retreat, and in addition to retreating, the Bible-believing church employed one of their primary principles. So let me repeat carefully to you 
what one of their primary operating principles is and was up until this very moment, to give you the opportunity, and tragically, perhaps an opportunity to the make-believe Bible-believing church that you may go to, you must understand that their primary operational principle is this. Now listen to what I'm going to say, and I'm quoting you their operational principle. The Frankfurt School Marxists said that we're going to ignite a full-blown communist cultural revolution in America that will destroy America and cause a totalitarian Marxist communist state to, to, to be uh, risen up in America. And we will do this, the communists were speaking. Listen to the words now. They're all important. By any means necessary. They proclaimed that they would have a full-blown communist revolution, quote, by any means necessary, which means, additionally, that since they could do it by any means necessary, that meant that any action or behavior or program or revolutionary technique that they chose to employ to overthrow Christian America was all fully justifiable because they operate on the principle of hardcore communism. And hardcore communism does not believe in a biblical God. It does not believe in an absolute right or an absolute wrong. It does not believe in <clears throat> any Judeo-Christian values. The Marxist communist agenda believes that they are entitled and allowed to, to conquer America and other nations by any means necessary. And once you own that historical truth that your opponent and that your enemy, who has pledged in endless volumes of writing, who has collectively made endless speeches before national television programs, your enemy, ideologically, so to speak, they have given themselves total permission by any means necessary, they have given themselves the legal permission to conquer America, create a communist revolution by any means necessary. So once we understand that these communist revolutionaries, who number one in their list of revolutionary goals is that they destroy biblical Christianity, and number two is they give themselves permission to accomplish this dark, evil goal by any means necessary. Now think about that. So when all this was happening in America, and it was beginning to explode, this was in the 1960s and the early 1970s. At that time in Paul McGuire's life, I was raised in an atheistic, secular humanist, radical, Household in New York City, consisting of creative intellectuals, people very high up in, in education and high up in economics and high up in all kinds of uh, fields of learning and science and so on and so forth. And I was, because I grew up in a spiritual void or vacuum where I was taught by my parents that there is no God. There is no Savior. There is no such thing as sin. There is no such thing as a biblical right or wrong. Whatever feels good, do it, and all the rest of that stuff. 
I was programmed by my parents and their friends to believe all of that. And so the next step was when I began to encounter in Manhattan, in the East Village, in New York City, I began to develop personal relationships or at least acquaintances with the radical revolutionary left, who were the Yippies, also known as the Youth International Party, a communist term, which was headed up by Abby Hoffman, who was head of the Yippies or the Youth International Party as well as hanging out with Dr. Timothy Leary, the Harvard professor who promoted LSD as a mass uh, chemical method of increasing and human consciousness. So I bought into, I never bought into communism, Marxism, and socialism. I could see through the disgusting facade of communism, Marxism, socialism, simply because my parents taught me to read, think for myself, read books, and the result of being raised in a savvy, atheistic household was that uh, I was loaded for bear (laughs) before I entered grammar school. And I knew from the basis of historical fact that nowhere at any time in human history did the ideologies of communism, Marxism, socialism, They never, ever succeeded in producing the revolution they promoted, which would cause everybody to be equal monetarily, that would cause there to be a classless society, that there would cause there to be great free health care, that there would cause to be a liberating revolution that would free the working class, the middle class. And, and just the hardworking Americans, that they would be liberated, that they would be truly liberated by a communist revolution. But you see, back there in fifth grade, when I was demonstrating with Abby Hoffman and other radical activists, I happened to know as a matter of historical fact, because I was a reader, not, a, not an airhead, I got a cell phone and I, and I can play with my, my cell phone and my thumb all day long. Thank God I didn't grow up in an airhead generation devoid of any uh, uh, capacity to, to engage in rigorous, robust intellectual thinking, theological thinking, and biblical examination. Thank God Almighty that God allowed me to be born just before the era of mass stupidity. And guess what? I was spared, to some respects, of ever drinking from the Kool-Aid, and you know what I mean. They drank the, the cult that runs this world. That cult has a name. It's called the Cult of the Great Reset. The gurus of the Cult of the Great Reset are distorted sociopaths like uh, Yuval Noah Harari, who is a sociopath financed by the Global Reset. But you see, I was spared that because I'm a little bit older than him, and I was taught to think for myself. Now, I've read parts of his biography. I will give uh, uh, Yuval Noah Harari credit for having a brilliant intellect for saying, and I believe that he's not lying, he is a massive reader. He read somewhere, like I did, between 50 and 60 books a month. And no, that's not hard to do if you, if you focus and you're interested in what you're reading. And the irony is, 
Yuval Noah Harari, the, the second in command of the Great Reset, along with Klaus Schwab, he was converted into this utopian, globalist, scientific mind control society, today known as the Great Reset. He, he, they converted him into their, their scientific utopia. And the agent of conversion was that, in, was that in third grade, he read a book that radically revolutionized his life forever, and that book was written by Aldous Huxley, and it was called Brave New World, about a scientific dictatorship that uses scientific mind control and uh, psychedelic drugs and, and scientific brainwashing to program the people into be the willing slaves and servants of a specially genetically bred master race that would rule the entire world on behalf of the scientific elite, the technocratic elite, and the British intellectuals and scientists and technologists, all who pretended to be atheists, but secretly they weren't atheists. Secretly they were agnostics, secular humanists. Um, Secretly they were occultists and involved in uh, satanic rituals. And so he veered off into the satanic globalist elite spectrum after reading Brave New World. Now, I was a couple of years older, more than a couple of years. I don't know. I was older than, okay, you all know of Horari. But I, too, in third grade, because I, too, was an avid reader, and I, and I, and this isn't boasting, but most likely I read more books per month, heavy-duty books, I read more books per month than did the so-called wonder child, child genius. His nickname, by the way, in the world press is The Prophet. Does that ring any bells? The second-hand man to the Great Reset, Yuval Harari, his nickname is The Prophet. Hey, my nickname was not The Prophet. My nickname was my name, Paul. Hey, I'm Paul. How you doing? Simple. Right. Straight straight on. So. <clears throat> Reading Brave New World changed his life. Now, he believed in Brave New World, as many intellectuals do, as a model, as a blueprint of a coming Great Reset. And let us remember that the Great Reset is simply a rebranding of the term the New World Order. So, Naval Harari was rebranded the New World Order was rebranded into the Great Reset, and it was simultaneously rebranded um, as the Great Reset, formerly known as the New World Order. And the goal of the Great Reset was to create a reboot for the human race, and it was also known as the Global Reset. And the global reset was, to put it simply, simply a rebranding or a remarketing term for what formerly used to be called the New World Order. So let's say 10 years ago, what all these people were talking about, like Brzezinski and uh, Rockefeller and Rothschild and all the other globalist elite, over a decade ago, they simply called their utopian world the New World Order. Now, 
the new world order defined is a coming one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system. So they wanted to rebrand it as the Great Reset. So the antiquated term, the New World Order, is now called the Great Reset. And it's a technocratic vision of a brand New World Order or Great Reset in which, through the usage primarily of computer technology, artificial intelligence, genetic engineering, genetic technology, other sciences and technologies, 5G, the hive mind, the world brain, uh, and other technologies, they were designed to drive the human race into a futuristic utopia. And here's what one of the heads of the uh, this utopia called the Great Reset, and this was Professor Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, he said that you, speaking to all Americans and all the citizens of planet Earth, this condescending, yes, I'm not making it up, he had Nazi, top Nazis in his family lineage and made a fortune, his family made a fortune in business partnership with the Nazis and Adolf Hitler. And this Nazi lineage, Klaus Schwab, is head of the World Economic Forum. Now, the World Economic Forum, again, is a rebranding of the New World Order. So when Harari uh, embraced all that, what converted him, because there were no Christians to convert him. Christians were too busy being afraid, they were too busy being uneducated, and they were too busy being dumbed down. And therefore, they were not equipped for the spiritual and intellectual battle that they found themselves plunged in. So, um, Yuval Noah Harari believed in this global reset. And the global reset, once again, is a rebranding of a one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world economic system. Now, simultaneously, even though I'm probably close to two decades older than uh, Harari, I, too, was powerfully impacted by reading Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, I too was greatly impacted by reading about this brave new world ruled by a scientific elite, ruled by a technocratic elite, ruled by those who were experts in scientific mind control, ruled by those who were adept at uh, ingesting uh, psychedelic mind control chemicals and, and, and scientific brainwashing upon the mass population. So he bought into that, and he bought into the lie that the Great Reset is going to be paradise. Notice that in the marketing terms associated with the Great Reset, they use the same exact lies, the same exact propaganda, the same exact brainwashing techniques, as did the communists, as did the Frankfurt School Marxists, as did the socialists, and as did those that were behind the New World Order and the Great Reset. And so Klaus Schwab, the head of the uh, Great Reset, said these classic words. You will own absolutely nothing, he said, but you will never be happier than you have ever been in your entire life. 
So the heads of the world of the World Economic Forum and the, and the Great Reset are promising you that if you join on to their program, you will never be happier than you ever were in your entire life, and that you will lack nothing. You will experience paradise on earth, and you will never be happier than you have been in your entire life. The problem is, all of those statements are propaganda statements, mind control statements, crafted and created by the globalist elite with the intended design of enslaving you by using communist, Marxist, socialist lies. So let's look at the propaganda lies employed by the communist Marxist school professors, the Frankfurt School, the communists, the Marxists, the socialists. Let's look and examine and isolate some of their lies. They promise every would-be communist that you are going to be the recipient of heaven on earth, that you are going to be part of a classless society. Everybody makes the same amount of money. Everybody uh, gets paid the same. Everybody has access to outrageously good health care. Everybody's standard of living is the same. And in short, the communism and the Great Reset, they promise to, to deliver to the common man uh, paradise on earth, or what they called, like, quote, uh, paradise on earth. They are promised by the Great Reset, paradise on earth. Paradise on earth. These are the exact same vocabulary words that, are, that were used to sell communism, Marxism, and socialism. They promised paradise on earth. They promised a worker's paradise. And guess what? Absolutely none of those promises ever came true. They all detonated, they all imploded, because they were based on the philosophical, economic, technological, scientific lies that were utilized in creating this counterfeit utopia. So, this brings us to where we are now. We, the people, and never forget what that means in its context. You are, because of your pilgrim and Puritan forefathers, who were strong Bible-believing Christians, and who believed and practiced the Bible, you were raised in a nation because of its Christian influence, in which you were guaranteed freedom of religion, freedom of the press, uh, freedom of speech. You were guaranteed all those freedoms. You were also guaranteed the freedom of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, all of those freedoms and rights are under all-out assault at this particular moment. They are under all-out assault by the media, the educational system, the employment sector, the political sector, uh, the government sectors. Every sector of American society is under full-out assault full-out attack against totalitarian communists, transhumanist revolutionaries who are going to do everything in their power to enslave you because their game plan, when you whisk away all the lies, their game plan is this. 
Their game plan is to use lies by any means necessary to to conquer America, destroy Christianity, destroy capitalism, destroy your freedoms, destroy all of your rights, to totally destroy a Christian and a free America. That is their goal. And the only thing at this moment in time that will stop them from accomplishing their hellish, horrendous revolution is this. If God's people, you know, the ones who claim to be believing Christians, the ones who who claim to be uh, Bible-believing Christians, if they continue on in their present modality of apathy and surrender and retreatism and ignorance and a lack of knowledge, if they continue in that modality, there is no question whatsoever that our destination as a once-free human race is totally up to up for grabs, and we will be, make no mistake about anything that I'm saying, we will be destroyed and decimated. Now, let's just flash back really quickly. When Yuval Harari was reading Brave New World, he was being converted to transhumanism, totalitarianism, blah, 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 blah. When I read Brave New World, every stinking alarm bell in my brain, my nervous system, my consciousness, Every alarm bell in my human, biological, and spiritual system, the alarm bells were ringing, uh, al- ringing off the hook in my mind and consciousness because every inner alarm that God puts in all of us, also known as a spirit of discernment, was ringing off the hook as God was trying to wake up Paul McGuire to the reality that we are under an all-out assault, an all-out invasion, in which the people who are attacking us, they intend to fully, 100%, by any means necessary, they intend to subjugate us, to enslave us, to reboot and re-engineer and redesign our own specific and unique genetic code. They intend to reprogram our DNA code. And when the day is done, by any means necessary, They intend to so radically rewrite and program our DNA code that it will now be scientifically questionable if indeed we are human or not. So we can no longer take for granted the definition that you and I and our loved ones are fully and authentic human beings. Why? Because in order to be a fully and authentic human being, you must first have a fully and authentic set of 100% pure human DNA. And if there's any deviation or corruption in your human DNA, then technically, according to the Word of God, a man or a woman with corruption in their human DNA is no longer human. They are now a strange mixture of non-human Nephilim animal DNA that has been interbreeding, interbreeded, or intermixed with human DNA. So we have this odd mixture of non-human being DNA with human being DNA. What does that mean? In order for a person to be an authentic 100% human being, they must have 100% authentic human DNA. In addition to that, God only promises eternal life God only promises eternal life 
to those human beings whose DNA is 100% pure human DNA, which proves that they are 100% pure human beings with 100% pure human DNA. And God does not allow any man or woman to enter the kingdom of heaven or to exercise their faith and receive Christ and become born again. God does not allow that transformation to happen if any individual is to dis- is to be discovered as having imperfect or only partial human DNA. You have to be 100% human in your genetic code, because only those people that are 100% human can enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, here we are at the final moment, the great transition. So here we are in human being, as we are moving into the, not moving, we are now in the last days. Jesus and other passages of the Bible have warned us that in the last days, it will be like the days of Noah. And what happened in the days of Noah? The fallen angels descended from the heavens, and they began to mate with human women. And in that mating process, the DNA or genetic code of human women was being intermingled or intermixed with the DNA or genetic code of fallen angels. So you have a hybrid creature. Hybrid creatures that are not 100% human in their DNA cannot be born again, cannot be saved, and cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are the laws of God. So now, in the last days, what's looming before us on the horizon is is the rise of a satanic world system governed by individuals whose DNA has been radically transformed through genetic engineering and transhumanism science, which has illegally and illicitly transformed what were once human men and human women into becoming a hybrid mixture of human DNA and fallen angel DNA. And that's why God says in his word, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, right before the flood, where God had to wipe out, with the flood of Noah, he had to wipe out every species, every animal, every bird, every lizard, any being, any biological entity, had to be wiped out by God during the great flood of Noah, because God cannot tolerate a polluted or defiled or intermingled uh, DNA. You either have the DNA of God, and you are an authentic human being, and you can be saved, or you don't have the DNA of God, in which case you cannot be saved, and you cannot be human. And this is where the Great Reset brings us. The Great Reset brings us to a new America and a new world and a new global reset in which human beings are biologically re-engineered every day of the week. Their DNA is reprogrammed, and they now have become non-human creatures, or what scientists now call synths, S-Y-N-T-H apostrophe S, synths standing for synthetic 
human beings. So right now, hidden among us are countless millions of human beings who are in actuality no longer human beings because their DNA is not 100% human DNA. They are, in fact, what is called synthetic human beings, or synths, S-Y-N-T-H apostrophe S. Synths, meaning synthetic humans, having synthetic human DNA. That's where we are. And remember, this was a major sign of the time in the days of Noah. And that's why Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What did he mean? He meant that in the days of Noah, where God had to flood the earth with the great flood of Noah, that the days of the return of Jesus Christ to the earth at the second coming, or at the return of Jesus to the earth, uh, a similar scenario would occur. And that similar scenario would be that non-human entities, like fallen angels with fallen angel DNA, would mate with human women with human DNA, producing by the millions a hybrid race or an artificial race of human being that is not 100% human. And that brings us up brings us to where the, the final battle for mankind occurs at the end of history. So you and I have a job to do. We need to get up to speed. We need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to actively renew our minds with the Word of God, and we must study to show ourselves approved. And that includes studying books that are applicable. And I've written for you specifically a bunch of books that will make you spiritually armed and dangerous to the devil. And those books are books like Power from on High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, A Prophecy of the Future of America, uh, Volume 1, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 2, The Day the Dollar Died, Conquering the Matrix, and other books you can get right now at a big financial discount by going to paulmcguire.us that's paulmcguire.us. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. And together, in the name of Jesus Christ, we shall take the land. <laughs>